In a time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to episode 38 of the Feelin' Film podcast. For our first Christmas episode, we decided to cover a film that really fits the feelin' focus of our show. It's a Wonderful Life has been an important movie to both myself and my co-host Patrick, and we're anxious to talk about it soon. But before we do, we wanted to celebrate the spirit of Christmas and togetherness by hearing from some of you, our amazing community of listeners. We polled the Feelin' Film Facebook discussion group, and we wanted to read uh, some of your favorite Christmas movies and the reason why you love them. So if, uh, if you're cool with this, Aaron, I'd like to go ahead and get us started kick it off i'm really pumped to uh read through some of these awesome responses me too man so the first one comes from gene go ghostwire go somewhere gossower go 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 somewhere gene go somewhere okay gene go 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 speed racer there it is okay (laughs) sorry gene i really tried and uh Uh, Please forgive me. It's that time of year to have forgiveness and all that. So I hope you do. Anyway, (laughs) Gene says that he he has a fond memory of a Christmas story. He says that this is the classic Americana flyover country Christmas tale, only it's less of a tale and more just what happens. Everyone knows the type of town, the type of kids, families, even the places to buy the trees. We all remember the joy of that one gift we couldn't stop thinking about persuading our parents in some way. However, over the top some moments in the film are, this is how we remember uh, highlights of our childhood. It's all the best. It's all embellished. It's all a triple dog dare. And I have to agree with you. This is one of my favorite films. It actually had to grow on me a little bit. But over the course of uh, watching it, not only um, outside of the TNT marathons that would run from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day, I began to have a genuine love for this and for those same reasons that it just evoked a sense of nostalgia for me of uh, just anxiously awaiting that morning when I got the one present I was asking for, hopefully, and also all the little traditional stuff that goes along with it. Well, I, you know, I've never understood the love for this movie, and I, I really love Gene. <laughs> I love Gene's right up here, and I, I get it. So I, I get I get the explanation here Um, but i will be honest and tell you i've not seen a christmas story in years years and years maybe a decade i I, I have not seen it in a very long time because i didn't have a fond memory of it and so it's not one that i've sought out to go back to and rewatch. so i'm probably due uh, a viewing of this movie to see if my adult self uh, has something in it that can resonate more uh, with the movie because it, you know it just never did it for me like you said maybe maybe it does just need to grow on me like a fine uh, moldy cheese or something <laughs> i would highly recommend it it's well, the perfect well, time will, to do it obviously. i will try to do that our next uh, recommendation comes from ben catcher side I, f- I feel like i want to call him ben ketchup and just keep going with the butchering of names on purpose but i didn't do that it's not ben ketchup it's ben catcher side and uh <laughs> Ben Ketcherside says uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol is his favorite movie of Christmas. Uh, it's he's actually this is actually a film that came up multiple times in our poll and su- surprised me. 
Ben says, it's a wonderful telling of the story, and Michael Caine was one of the best Scrooges ever. And it has one of the best quotes from a Christmas movie. Light the lamp, not the rat. Light the lamp, not the rat. (laughs) Alexis Johnson, who also chose this movie, adds, it's fun and muppety, but also very moving and poignant. Now, (laughs) I feel bad because this is another film that this is one I don't even know if I've seen. I, I may have seen it. Years and years ago when I was a kid, but I certainly have not watched it anytime soon to be able to remember it. Uh, the <laughs> thing that they, ha- they have sold me, both Alexis and Ben talking about this in our in our uh, thread on the Facebook group, is they've raved about Michael Caine. It, the truth is, Michael Caine is the greatest thing in any movie that Michael Caine is in. So <laughs> that alone has made me want to seek this out and uh, check it out. <laughs> have you seen this one, Patrick? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have. And not just because of Michael Caine, but also it's the Muppets. It's one of my it's one of my favorite Muppet movies. And I believe and uh, listeners, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the first feature length Muppet movie where Brian Henson is voicing the the uh, role of Kermit uh, uh, taking over for his late late father, Jim Henson. So I'm not sure, but I can if I'm if I need to be corrected, I will. But I remember possibly reading about something like that and that gave me kind of incentive to watch it and I, I fell in love with it instantly so anyway uh let's see reed lackey he mentioned that one of his fond memory movies is the uh classic national lampoon's christmas vacation which he says is cynical enough for the grinchness warm enough for the elf in us and funny enough for the junior hire in all of us and i would have to agree with you this was a um, what's funny is this movie, I think either replaced or was replaced by the movie we're talking about tonight in my family for the Christmas Eve movie we'd watched together as a family. So imagine going from one to the other. <laughs> That's about as a 180 as you can get. It really was. I think it had to do with the fact that kids were growing up a little bit. So I can't remember specifically which order it went in, but I know at one point we had been watching one of these. And it, we then we switched over to the other. I want to say, as we got older, it became um, it's a wonderful life, just because my brother and I kind of understood more about the importance of that movie and and kind of got more uh, more appreciative of it. But I know for a long time, Christmas Vacation and all of its quotableness was a part of our Christmas Eve celebration. Well, you know, I'm I'm probably not making any friends, but this is. Also, a movie that I have not frequented. Uh, I, I know. Shame me right start off. Over? Can we just leave now? This shame is, me right is, off my own podcast. But um, uh, you know, I've seen this one more times than uh, either of the previous two combined, and I do enjoy it. I do. I do find this one pretty funny uh, at times. It's it's decently humor humorous for me. But uh, it, you know, I, it's really weird to me the movies that we gravitate toward, and that that kind of defined our childhood and i think for me the ones that i'm going to mention later are ones that i grew up watching you know with my family and so they're the ones that i just kept watching with my family i never really got introduced to other ones other than kind of on my own or through friends and so i think that has a very interesting dynamic to it where you know there's not a lot of seasons or a lot of things in a lot of movie related uh, time frames where you can say that where 
your your childhood viewing completely impacts what you continue to watch over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's it's a good one, <laughs> but it's not one that uh, stands out to me and I seek out. <laughs> now, one that I I do watch. Uh, what? Occasionally. what one Hold that on. I, I, I have enjoyed listeners listen closely listen it's <laughs> happening it's happening uh go matthew mcdougall and many other listeners but matt matt's uh, was the one we chose to read matt suggests elf as uh, his favorite christmas movie he says because it fits will ferrell's personality perfectly Amen. it's one of those few <laughs> movies where he actually excels at and the christmas story is fantastic Steve Hamilton adds, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> John Favreau hit a home run with the casting of Zoe. Truth. Along with Will Adlibbing, it was an instant classic with Bob Newhart, Newhart coming out of retirement for the obligatory Christmas movie that Hollywood shovels out every couple years. <laughs> I have to agree completely with this. Now, this is one I do think is pretty funny. I don't like Will Ferrell, generally speaking, but I'm able to get through this one. And laugh my butt off quite a bit. So um, <laughs> this is this is a good one, and I, I it gets the Aaron stamp of approval, which for some reason has been pretty rare these days. It, it, I don't know what's going on. I'm I'm having a very odd season in my uh, movie loving uh, self. <laughs> well, how can you not love any movie that encourages you to? <laughs> sing loud for everyone to hear you know <laughs> even if you can't right <laughs> this was definitely one that um in in my christmas traditions it's become an early viewing like it's one of the first ones that i watch during the year um i kind of there been there have been moments in my life where i've gotten somewhat like personally anal like okay i can't watch this until near the end of the christmas season this is a early, but this was this was a good this has always been a good entry level like this is what I watched to kind of help kick off the Christmas season in a way. Um, the one that I'm going to read now is another one of these early ones that I like to watch. And it's from Rich Starnes. And uh, he was uh, he mentioned Scrooged, the, uh, what, what he says is the best Christmas Carol adaptation. And Bill Murray has never been better. Plus, it has a great Christmas memory for me. I was on a trivia team that won a contest for the nearby art theater and our prize was a private screening of anything. Since it was just two weeks before Christmas, a bunch of friends from work spent a snowy Saturday morning watching Scrooged together in that theater. And I got to say, that's a great memory. I, I, I remember watching this movie with my family uh, when I was a teenager. And if I had to uh, sum it up, this would be a great way to sum it up the way that the way that rich has, has summed it up. Bill Murray is great in this. It is, it's the quintessential Scrooge uh, or Christmas Carol because Bill Murray plays a great, um, Ebenezer in a sense. It's a great modern day setting and it's typical Bill Murray comedy. Like if you want to get an idea of, of Bill Murray's comedy, this is a great movie to check out. It's got a great all-star cast, lots of just hilarious, funny people. And, uh, and just it's just an overall really great film. Sounds good. Sounds sounds like a good one. Um, <laughs> I'm guessing it's not one that you've seen, right? <laughs> just uh, you know, I I vaguely recall Bill Murray is Scrooge. It sounds right, but then again, I think Bill Murray's been Scrooge in multiple movies that he hasn't been <laughs> meant to be Scrooge in. So so I I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. But um, yeah, I think I've seen it, and it's did, probably did, good. Did, <laughs> have you seen tonight's movie that we're recording? Have you seen this one? <laughs> 
Is this one of those that, you know, that we're going to... That's fair. Is, that's fair. Is this going to be the end of the podcast? Because, I mean, <laughs> I can get to bed if I need to because I can get some sleep. No, you're just going to go solo. Uh, no, it's no. I, Yeah, okay. I've, seen, uh, I've seen the movie we're talking about tonight. And I do have some that I like. Do you want me to mention them? Yes. Yes. Okay. Th- th- throw some out there that, <laughs> that some of our listeners may or may not have seen. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, I do... I will. I, I need to answer the, the, the white elephant question in the room. And that is that... I do believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And so for me, Die Hard is on this list. Uh, I love Die Hard, and I think this is the best time of year to watch it. Uh, some of the quotables specifically speak to Christmas. Uh, and frankly, it is just a fantastic film in general. And so it's a great excuse to revisit it on a yearly basis and tie it to something. And a lot of the movies that are kind of like a Die Hard that we love from that era don't have some specific reason for us to to go watch them during the year but Die Hard gives us the the idea of you know it's a christmas movie so i think this debate is is tired and silly and anybody who doesn't think it's a christmas movie you know they need to just go hang out with scrooge because they're they're wrong <laughs> um now movies that i grew up on so they kind of informed my personal taste uh, White Christmas was the huge one for my family. Um, I, I can recall back to, and I don't know why I'm telling this story, but I can remember back to one of our family reunions when my mom uh, decided to dress me up and we put on a rendition of the song Sisters together. I was young. I was probably eight years old. These days, people would probably call that child abuse. I don't know. It was to me. It was very, I would call that comedy gold. Very actually. traumatic. There, 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 there is a video somewhere. My dad has it somewhere. <laughs> don't you dare drive down there and try and find it. But... Roger, if you're if you're listening to this, <laughs> I'm coming. Oh. Get, the, get the video ready. I need to see this. Yeah, my family, my family made fun of me for years. Every time I'd walk around, they'd be like, sisters, sisters. Oh, now, it's terrible. Terrible. Now I've got some firepower. And Here yes, we go. <laughs> I do still know the song. But because of that, you know, again, that connection, I remember my mom. And, you know, my mom's gone now. But that's something that I can't watch that film without smiling the whole movie through and thinking mm. about her and her love of that movie. Um, and I'm going to say this, too. Bing Crosby's eyes, you know, they just are amazing. She, he's got these gorgeous eyes that, that for an actor, they, they pop out and they, they are so bright that they take over the screen. And you just, you don't see that all the time. So it's a unique, uh, a unique character, um, trait or, or visual yeah. trait for you. Um, I just love the songs. I love the singing. I love the story makes me happy and cheery inside and of course when it starts snowing in the end it just makes me want snow myself so white christmas uh is another one and then the movie that we're watching today uh being my favorite of all time christmas movies uh and then you know i think other than that recently arthur christmas has really stuck out and i know that someone in our group uh gabriel green is a big champion of this film as well and there's a good reason. I rewatched it again this year, and it's just such an underrated gem. It's new, and I think that's probably part of why it doesn't have a lot of a fan base behind it. You know, like it's a new story, and it's a unique story. And my gosh, like where's the place for that in Hollywood? But mm. frankly, it's really good. It's pure, and it's it's 
it's just interesting and it's good hearted. And so I really enjoy Arthur Christmas. That's interesting, man. I actually haven't seen it yet. I'm going to probably try to queue it up before the 25th. Um, just cause I've heard, you know, his, his comments on it. And, and now that you've mentioned it, that's really great. So I, I'm definitely going to check out Arthur Christmas. Uh, for me, um, my tastes have expanded. I won't say they've changed because the movies that I grew up with, I still watch. Although other, you know, you, you have, there are so many Christmas movies out there, holiday movies and specials and things like that, that you just, you quite literally do not have the time to watch them all. I mean, I would, I would, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to have a job or a family if I were to commit to watching all of these films and TV shows that I grew up with. And so, um, these days with my family, uh, not just my wife and my, and my, my three-year-old, but also with my parents, we start the holiday season, um, on Thanksgiving actually by watching, um, Miracle on 34th street, the original black and white with Natalie Wood. And, and then when my wife and I put our tree up and get all the lights and everything's nice and cozy, depending on if our son is nuts or sleepy he'll either be watching this with us but we'll watch um the polar express i love watching the polar express in a theatrical sense in a theatrical setting not just like with lights off and this ambient christmas lights around us especially when it gets to the scene where the ticket if if you're familiar with the movie the ticket is flying around and you see all this great like wintry outdoor stuff i just i love that sequence of of events, how the tickets flying around and we see the wolves and everything. And so those are two that we, that we definitely chime in on. Um, but recently because, and I have no problem, you know, handing in my man card for this one. We've, my, my wife has gotten into the, the Hallmark Christmas movies. And so, you know, to, to make an excuse to sit down with her and spend time with her, I've gotten into them as well. And so there have been like two or three that have become staples around our home. Uh, whenever we're, you know, have a, have an hour or two just to, to spend together. So we'll, we'll do some of the cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies, uh, as well, but we, we stick to the classics. White Christmas is up there. And, um, you know, like I said, mentioned before, Elf is an early on type deal and any kind of Christmas specials like the Grinch or Charlie Brown or Garfield or whatever, we try to make those happen as well. If we've got a half hour to, to, to give here and there. So those are those are they're our picks or my picks. <laughs> well, they're good. They're good ones. I gotta admit, I'm not not seeing anything that's terribly wrong there, other than the Hallmark movies. Since you you didn't specifically <laughs> mention what they were, I I see you don't want us to go look them up and actually call you out on exactly what you're watching. So I, I will I, say I, this. I will, I will let, well, let me just say this uh, before before the recording tonight. My wife and I were watching a movie, and um, I picked it out, and she and. And uh, she said, she said, I just think it's crazy how we're not picking classics anymore. We're just picking these newer ones. And I'm like, look, <laughs> we've seen the classics, right? It's not every day you get to see cheesy, uh, really bad acting with, uh, with, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> contrived plot lines. You know, we're just... <laughs> we're not picking the classics, honey, uh, or we're not picking the Hallmark movies, honey. Uh, that that would be you. <laughs> I'm just here because I love you. <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> All right. That well, being said, that being said, we are uh, we are excited and uh, incredibly excited to talk about this movie tonight. Um, both of us, like you mentioned, Aaron, this holds a special place in both of our hearts for varying reasons, and uh, I'm excited to really 
take a look at it from a feeling film perspective. I remember talking to my dad about this and saying, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch this movie with the podcast in mind. Cause normally I'm watching it with the Christmas season in mind. And, and so, um, I'm curious, did, uh, to I guess to get the discussion started, what uh, what were your takeaways from this? Did you did you have a different kind of takeaway from watching this from a uh, podcast talking you know podcast discussion point of view, or um, what uh, what kind of what kind of takeaways did you get from it? Well, you know, it's interesting because I had a little bit of an event happen right before this movie started for me. We we sat down to watch this last night. And I had been making dinner for the family and I had a little bit of a burning snafu where I rip gripped my hand around a pot handle that had been positioned over a burner that was on high heat for about 10 minutes and just completely annihilated my hand. Uh, and it was, it felt like it was on fire for a couple of hours and I've got blisters on my fingers and such. And Yikes. so, yeah, so I, I wasn't, it, it kind of took me out of that mood initially where I was really excited about the film and sitting down and ready, you know, watch it and just, I'm, I'm a, I'm an organized kind of person and, and I, I thrive on things going the way that I plan and intend them to go. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very good at adjusting as well, but it can be frustrating internally. Um, and so I have to, you know, try to deal with that. So I sat down to watch this movie with my kids and, you know, my daughter had completely taken over for me. She came in, she said, you know, dad, are you okay? She started Googling, you know, burns and what to do and telling me what to do. And I'm sitting there like with tears in my eyes saying, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> I'm fine. You know, running it under cold water. And, uh, and she just, she cleaned up the kitchen. She finished making dinner. She, you know, got our bowls and filled them all up for us. She served me. And, you know, I sat down to take notes. And of course I'm doing this with one hand now because it's, I don't have my use of my other hand. So it's a little bit more difficult. And I think watching the movie with that perspective was different for me more than it, it kind of took over the fact that I was watching it for the show. And what I started doing was relating to at home situations that had just happened. Like my daughter selflessly stopping whatever she was doing and immediately thinking nothing but what can she do to help me in multiple ways. And I started thinking about George and how George's character is and what, what he would have done in that situation. And I'm like, wow, well, she's George, you know, and that's mm. awesome. And so I started relating it to that. And that, that was really kind of what this viewing for me was informed by. Now, in general, watching it to look at the feeling aspect of it, it wasn't hard at all. I mean, it, it's, it's an instantaneous thing for you every time you watch this film you can't watch this movie without feeling and having a lot of emotions go through you. And I did, I had a lot of them, you know, running through me throughout the course of it. And it really kind of kicks off right off the bat because we get the great quote about, you know, they're as the angels are talking and to God and they're discussing, you know, what they're going to do. And I think it's Clarence and he says, is he sick? And, uh, and mm. who's it? Joseph, Joseph's the other angel. He says, no worse. He's discouraged. Mm. And it's, yeah. I mean, it just, it grabs me from that moment because I go, dang, <laughs> that's me or, like, on so many occasions. This is me. And so 
I instantaneously put myself in the shoes of the character in this movie, George, and start walking through it and walking through his life, thinking mm-hmm. about my own choices and my own actions and what I am or am not satisfied with. So that's kind of how I watched this movie this time around. Yeah. Uh, and it's awesome. It's awesome. Every time it's the second time I've watched it with my kids. I want to mention that. Um, the first time they said, I said, what's your review of the film? They said 10 of 10 would watch again. Uh, so that was awesome. <laughs> the second time around this time they loved it. So it's become a tradition. Uh, they talked about it. They had things to say about it. They had opinions uh, we got to talk about it afterwards. And that man is, there's not much better than that for me. So it was yeah. great. What That's about great, you? Man. Did you, did you have a, any kind of a different experience with it this time around or? Well, um, in light of, in light of just preparing for this, um, I'd like to read a quote that was from a book that I just finished, um, a little book called The Monster Calls. <laughs> little being true. Little being true, but a big impact. And it's a quote that says that stories are important. They can be more important if they carry the truth. And that quote was kind of resonating in my head as I was watching this, because this movie carries a couple of truths. Well, it carries a lot, but there are two main truths that, depending on where a person is in life, it can reveal two distinctly different ideas. And personally, um, this year in particular, I have, con- I have started to see, based on where I am in life, how a movie like this resonates with me. And I kind of struggle with this. I struggle with the fact that it has both a positive and a negative uh, impact on me personally. And any you know, listeners, if 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 you resonate with this, hope you know. I don't know if you will as we we talk about this, but this is the first time that I got I kind of realized the power that a, a film like this has, in that it can do two things at once, that it can tell two, it can reveal these two truths, and depending on where you are in life, you connect with one or connect with the other. And uh, for the first time, I think I got to see kind of how I connected with, you know, one more so than the other, but how I could see myself connecting with both at the same time. And, uh, and that was really different. I mean, normally I just, um, when I think about this movie, I think, oh yeah, great Christmas movie, but it's got some life impact to it. And both in, you know, again, for me personally, a positive and, and a, a very challenging way as well. And uh, I walked away going, hmm, what do I do with this? <laughs> Which is good, you know. I was having a conversation with my dad today, and uh, he was talking about the help, having seen this like three or four times. And it has that same kind of, same kind of response that while it's not dealing with historically true characters it's dealing with historical truths and these characters built into that and how it impacts him every time he watches it and uh and and that's important for film it's important to be able to do that so that's kind of where i was and where i landed after watching this movie that's great um it's uh it, it definitely does that for me you know it's funny we watch it at christmas every year but i don't and i think of it as a christmas movie but i don't I don't know. I don't appreciate, I don't approach it like a Christmas movie. You know, the one that I mentioned, I failed to mention earlier, actually, that is my, one of my yearly staples is home alone. And I love home alone, but to me, mm-hmm. home alone is a Christmas movie, which is interesting because that's a, it's a fun comparison here where, where home alone is at Christmas, but it's really a home invasion movie. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a home invasion horror comedy in reality. Right. Um, 
And yet I think of it as a Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life happens at the end. The story being – so it, it, the the end and the beginning are Christmas. But, you know, 95% of this movie is not Christmassy. It has nothing to do with Christmas. Right. And so yeah. I noticed that this time around, that it, it really wasn't. It was more something that I, I didn't necessarily need to just watch at Christmas or to, to take something away from it. Like mm-hmm. – it had life value, like you said, um, and and it can resonate and go, it can be impactful throughout the year uh, on me. The one thing, one thing that I noticed this time around uh, that I hadn't keyed in on much before was the fact that George Bailey's first real defining moment in his life when he was a child was jumping in to save his brother Harry. Mm-hmm when he was just completely a little bitty lad, he jumped into the, he dove into the icy water to save him. And then Clarence has him do exactly the same thing to save himself. I just thought that was brilliant. I was like, my gosh, how did I not know? How did I not notice that? And I've watched this movie dozens of times. And, um, you know, I think it speaks to, you know, the, the idea that sometimes almost, I guess, some people would say it's called, you know, facing your demons or whatever, but you know, maybe you have this challenge or this thing that you've encountered before that has been a defining moment in your life and it's going back to that and approaching it differently or coming out of that same situation with a different path or different making a different choice at the end right. that ultimately becomes a, a positive impactful event in your life. So, yeah. I don't know, I just thought that was a really neat thing that I pulled out of it this time. Yeah, I think Frank Capra is looking back, looking on this movie as an adult. I, I just I'm fascinated with the way that he has created this story and the story that he's trying to. I mean, this comes from this, the, the idea of this story comes from like a greeting card, I believe, with the gift of the Magi, I think is the name of the greeting card or something. But, you know, you're you're talking about a guy who is so specific in how he films certain scenes and how he puts these scenes together um in particular you know he's telling this story about george who <laughs> as he's growing up seems to have these bad events happen to him i mean you know loses his hearing in one ear and he you know he misses out on job opportunities and misses college and misses going to europe and stuff like that but and and, and you could you could chalk up this this life of being like you you could chalk up the movie as being a series of these unfortunate events or these things that you know challenge his identity but sprinkled between those you have these moments of joy of celebrating uh, a friend's new home or celebrating the birth of their child or rescuing his brother you know things that i think capra does intentionally to make sure that we understand that george's life is not defined by just one, not only just one or two sets of circumstances, but one or two kinds of circumstances, but it's a multiple multitude of circumstances. And I think that speaks to the bigger story that he's trying to, to tell and the bigger idea that he's trying to communicate with us. And I can definitely appreciate that more as an adult looking on, on this as uh, of Capra as a director and a producer. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's, it's very important that we do see things on a relatable level with George. Um, mm-hmm. This is not a movie that is 
about a character who is dealing with these incredibly overwhelming odds or circumstances that we would never ever have to face, but we can kind of go ooh and ah about. This is a character who faces the same things that we look at every single day of our lives um, with our family and our friends, and we have to make these decisions. You know, mm-hmm. do you do you tell the drug owner? Do you, do you do you risk going in when he's completely upset and telling him that he accidentally put the wrong pills in? Um, do you give up your honeymoons uh, to help people out? There's mm-hmm. just but there's just a myriad of these choices that George is making constantly uh, over the course of this. Um, it's one of my one of my favorite things about the way that this is filmed. And, and I, I love Jimmy Stewart as an actor. I just think he's incredible. And this is in my top 10 of all time. And I have another film that's very high up on my list of all time films, Vertigo that he's in and he plays a different kind of character, but he's so unique the way he acts. There's nobody that I can compare him to. Like he just has a different mannerism with his speech and his facial, um, actions and, and just uh, mannerisms and, and his, uh, I don't know, his gestures. He, he's, he's incredible to me. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of my all-time favorites. And um, he does a wonderful job in a f- key, couple of key moments where these decisions are happening and you can see the, the, the wheels turn or you can see him struggle. You can see him consider what he's going to do, you know? And, and there's, there's one where, his brother comes off the train and he, he finds out he's married and you mm-hmm. know, he, 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 she tells him kind of off the cuff that Harry's accepted this job with her family and George just stops and you can see it on his face. And, and I, and I love that scene because to me, that's a moment that I experience constantly. I experience it at work. I experience mm-hmm. it with my kids. You know, I experience it with my family members and my friends it's that moment of pause where you go, huh, internally, I have just been wronged or I have just been, my expectations and my plans have just been changed. Yeah. And how am I going to move forward? And so watching that visually displayed in such an amazing way that we can connect to is part of what this, what makes this movie so important to me. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey, I think gives us an everyman approach. I think these are, most of the situations that he's in, you know, as a whole, we've never said, oh, all of this stuff has happened to me. But we can all say that at least something like this has happened to me. We've gotten some disappointing news. We've gotten surprised. We've gotten just something that has affected us in some way that we're trying to sort of process and not let let on that it, that it affects us. That scene that you mentioned specifically, I always think about whenever um, – uh, and I watch his face because he's like so excited to see Harry – and he goes, oh, I'd like you to meet, you know, um, you know, meet, meet Ruth. You know, this is Ruth Dakin. And she goes, Ruth Dakin Bailey, if you don't mind. And you see, you see George's face go from like a smile to immediate, like what, you know? And that says so much about what he's thinking because, you know, you watch this for the first time or the second time or the third time. And you're, you're trying to, you know, the time difference, the duration of the life of George's life goes so fast. He goes from kid to presumably a 22-year-old to a 26-year-old in the span of like 10 minutes. And so it's hard to see or maybe appreciate the evolution or the time frame in which he has waited to hand this off to Harry. 
but when you when you know that and then you couple that with seeing kind of how he evokes this kind of emotion without saying anything with his facial expressions, it really makes that kind of an impact. And I think that's what makes us all connect with him is because not because we've had all this stuff, bad stuff happen to us, but because we felt wronged. We felt like the, you know, the, those people that, you know, we like serving until we're treated like one, you know? Uh, and I think that's, you know, he's, I think over the course of the film, that builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And we have that one moment at his home when he comes home after he finds out that the eight grand is missing and just goes off on his family. I mean, you and I know his dads, it's probably a, a very, very real, uh, um, situation that we've had, you know, gotten upset with our children. But at the same time, we've experienced all this with George and it's a very, it's just a very, just, um, intimate moment with him and his kids. And, you know, we're like <gasps> quiet with his kids, like, Oh my gosh, what's he going to say next? And, uh, and that makes that moment just that much more impactful. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, it, it's one of the hardest movies that hardest scenes to watch, uh, knowing it's coming. Um, but it's, it's one of the hardest ones that I ever watch in movies. Um, especially movies that I reoccur recurrently visit over and over. And I think that, there's a couple moments that lead up to that where, you know, I, I think it's like, a, it's a, it's a progression. It's a progression. So, you know, as we're walking through his life and seeing him start out where he handles things, kind of, he brushes them off in the beginning. Oh, well, no big deal. Mm. And then he yeah. kind of starts giving pause. And then mm-hmm. there's the moment with, uh, I believe it's with, maybe it's with Mary where he, Oh no, he's, uh, it's with, yeah, he's, he's with Mary um, and his friend comes back. I forgot his name. Who's the hee-haw guy? Sam. Sam Wainwright. Hee-haw. So Sam comes back, and uh, <laughs> there's just a casual statement made right before Sam and, and his wife drive off where they talk about the fact that, you know, George didn't even get on get in on plastics with me, and, you know, he could have mm-hmm. been a millionaire, essentially. And briefly, we see George kick the door. Like, he just kicks it really hard. Mm-hmm. And then he just lets it go and goes back to being himself. But, like, there's a moment of that pent-out frustration um, and then, you know, it, it keeps going and it keeps going until that blow up and, uh, gosh, it's so hard because like you just said, we're dads and frankly, I've done it. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be honest here and put it on the table because I think most of our listeners, uh, if you're looking at yourself, will say the same thing. It's so easy to have a bad day at work. And come home and take it out on the family. It's not necessarily going to manifest itself exactly like it does in the scene, but it will. If if it eats you alive and it starts festering inside you, it will come out this way. And so, for him to take out his frustration and his worry, his guilt on those people that he loves the most, who are completely innocent, um, it's hard to see. He projects his own inadequacies. You know, he talks about, isn't our car good enough for you? Well, it's not about the fact that anybody else thinks the car is not good enough. George doesn't think the car is not good enough. George is the one that thinks that. George can't handle these things because he has been feeling inadequate. He's felt like he's not doing enough. He's felt like he hasn't provided enough for his family or or done enough with his life, explored enough. Um, And it's so tragically painful to me because, you know, George, frankly – he that's not who George is. George isn't inadequate, but he feels that way. And I, and I resonate with that because I have to look at my life sometimes and go, 
I'm not necessarily content with who I am. Sometimes I want to be more or I want to be mm-hmm. different. I want to be like that guy, you know, I want to have his life or I want to have his money or, or his freedoms. Um, but that's not me instead of embracing me. And so that's where this, this stuff festers and it blows up in this scene and it's just so hard to watch. Um, yeah. And, and if, and if this movie didn't come back around and wrap these things up, it, there's no way it could be important or as impactful as it is. Mm. Yeah. I would say that as an addition to that, that this movie explores the idea of life being measured by events versus moments or vice versa. And I think that that's what George struggles with is that the things that we see him wanting to be an explorer, like I love, I love his conversation with, with Mary where he says, you know, I'm going to build, I'm going to build skyscrapers, you know, 10 stories high. I'm going to build bridges a mile long and I'm going to come back to college and see what they know. And then I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, this, you know, or I can't remember the specific thing, but he talks about all this ambition that he has, all these things that he wants to do, all these events that he wants to participate in. And, and he thinks that they're going to satisfy him. Like he, he sees himself at the epicenter of these, like, I'm going to be the architect of that. I'm going to be the creator of that. It's going to be me. It's going to be me. All these events that he sees himself as part of. And as he's going through this progression, we see that his life becomes more defined by the moments, you know, moments where he is with his dad before he passes away. Although we don't see that moments that he takes care of the building and loan on multiple occasions, moments when he takes care of his family. And when you, think when you look at your life on such a you know on, on an inch by inch level it's really hard to see some of the accomplishments the personal accomplishments from a 30,000 foot perspective mm-hmm. and that's what I think is so great about having friends <laughs> having people in our lives that help us keep our our worldview of ourselves in check um, because you know we think that based on our standards we're not accomplishing this this or this but in actuality, there are things that we're doing almost subconsciously that are affecting other people in a, you know, hopefully a positive way. And I, I want to believe that that's what's happening with with George Bailey and, and why we get to the climax the way we do is that those moments that defined his life come to fruition in the form of a big giant basket full of money and all these friends singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's It's that moment that, it's it's not just that he's getting the money back. It's about the fact that his life is now being validated by what Capra is defining as the most important thing, and that's friends. Right. Like Clarence, like Clarence writes, you know, dear George, remember no man is a failure who has friends. Right. And that's it's it's so very true. Um, you know, to kind of <laughs> bring this to something that just happened, I think today, um, on a on a much lower scale because sometimes you can look at these things and go, okay, this is a big movie. It's a movie. It's a Hollywood movie. And, and we're dealing with uh, problems that are, are huge in scale. You know, George is facing prison for this, this loss of money. This is, these are big deals. And that's when the people come around with this big gift to save the day. It reminds me just now when you're talking about it of, of something simple between just between us. And, and I, you know, I'm going to share this. Uh, I said something, I think today earlier about, um, I've got to work on this and I've got to do this and I've got to get this thing planned. 
And you simply responded with an all caps, we've got to plan this. Hmm. And, you know, that's this movie in a nutshell (laughs) that, you know, you can, you could say that you could say, you know, in a way, you know, there are times in our lives where me in this case have been doing something a lot or over, overdoing things, trying to do too much, trying to help and do everything I can uh, for whatever case, whatever the situation is in this case, maybe the podcasting, uh, back work or back end work. And yet there's my friend stepping in and saying, here, here's my basket of money. You know, you're not in this alone. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been here and I appreciate everything you've done for me that you may not notice. Right. So in those moments, maybe I'm not noticing what your feelings are and how much you appreciate whatever it is that I've been doing, but you're coming back and you're saying that to me. And you're showing that to me and you're giving me the basket of $8,000 to tell Mm me we're in this together and I've got your back. And so that's what I think is important about this movie is it's about our lives, our everyday lives. It's not, you know, the the title of the movie is it's a wonderful life. And that's what this movie is about is about life, but not one moment, not one big Mm -hmm. one. You know, that's the climax of a film. It's about us thinking about it in terms of everyday decision making and those moments. I think you, you know, you were talking about earlier, those moments that we have. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, that's, that's where I go when I see this each and every yeah, time. For sure, man. I appreciate you saying that. Um, there's a quote that I, I remember, um, hearing from, a a movie called the emperor's club and the main character, uh, he's a he's a teacher, and he says the worth of a life is not determined by a single failure or a solitary success. And I think that's very important to realize because we could easily take this movie and go, ah, the one moment that made up for everything was that very end scene where George got the money. And and of course that's not the case. I mean, we know that it's about the friends and stuff like that. But even that, I started thinking about this from as I mentioned earlier that. I believe the two truths that are being spoken here is that life is very, very, very difficult. It can be at times. And we can't put our worth on when life is great. And we can't put our worth on when life is, well, when life sucks. We have to be able to be content in, any, in, in every situation. Um, Paul, the apostle, writes to the, the church in Philippi. He says that exact same thing. He says, I know what it means to have plenty. and I know what it means to have nothing. And I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. And I think that's eventually what George gets around to is he says, you know what? Sitting there holding his daughter, Zuzu, with his family and all these friends. You know what? Three months from then, he's still going to have issues at the building and loan. Potter is still going to be there giving him grief. So life is going to go on and he's going to continue to have moments that are going to be hard. But I think at that moment... I think in that moment, he realized that I can't be defined by these events. I can't be defined by the best parts of my life and the worst parts of my life because my life as a whole is wonderful, <laughs> complete with its hiccups and its good and bad. It's my life, and my life is not a mistake. And in that moment, I think that's when he could really, really just let it go and smile and say, thanks, Clarence, because you've helped me realize the fact that my life really is wonderful um, not in spite of my failures or in spite of my downfalls, but b- because of those, because of those and my successes, that they all make up this life that is the life of George Bailey. It may not be the one that I anticipated or that I wanted initially, 
but it's the one that I got and it's the one that I think is the most important to me. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I, th- I also think that one of the defining things about George Bailey when he's at his best, um, you know, it, one of them being that he's accepting that and understanding that, but another being that he, he appreciates the simplest of things. Mm. It's the little pleasures for George. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's all about singing and he wants to be an explorer. Like that's his big dream. Um, he talks about going on this, this exploration of a honeymoon. Um, he wants to go on a nature walk when he, he pulls uh is it violet? <laughs> violet. It's, yeah. it's one of the best there's, scenes. There's, in the there's movie. a green it's pool so and we can good. swim it. <laughs> and she's looking at him like he's literally, she's lo- like, he's absolutely insane. She's like, you want me to be barefoot? You know? <laughs> and the whole town of course is around watching him. And, uh, but, but he, that's the things he loves. The broken down hotel. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He tells, he, he appreciates how blessed he already is in his life. He doesn't need anything else. He tells Mary, he says, Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house, Mary. Like he's excited about it. It's awful. <laughs> it is completely a rundown yeah. piece of junk, but you know yep. why it's important. It's important because Mary's there yep. and he's satisfied. He doesn't need more. And so I love seeing him when he, enjoys those simplest of things like like zuzu's petals another example toward the end of the film that that brings that back together yeah i i i can definitely resonate with that as a designer i always feel like i have to innovate like i always have to think about something more and, and bigger and better and you know recently i've been reminded that good design and good communication can be achieved just by simplicity and elegance and so so where does that relate to this uh, well, what we see as being small accomplishments, things that don't seem to matter in the grand scheme of things, uh, things that go unnoticed by the world, um, really do have a huge impact. And I think that's something that, that he understood that the small things he did by just spontaneously saying, Hey, I've got $2,000 here. Um, and taking care of folks at the bank or at, at the building and loan or, um, you know, leaving this date with Mary to go take care of his dad, which I'll be, I think I would hope anybody would do that. <laughs> yeah. But you know, these little small things that I think <laughs> hit on a word that, um, is embedded throughout and that's character. And that's a big, big word that, um, he was influenced by his dad, Harry, not Harry. Whoa. Is it? Harry's no. his brother. His dad, Mr. Bailey. Bailey. Bill Bailey, Mr. Anyway, Bailey, Mr. Bailey. That's the safe way to do this. <laughs> okay. Mr. Bailey. Um, the idea of character was something that was very, very much a resonating idea through this. And I think that's what we got, got to see as an exploration of, of George's character. You know, how did he respond to each one of these things? It wasn't that he didn't get mad about the situations that were almost defeating him. It's how he responded to them and what it took to get him to a place where he said, okay, I'm I'm okay with that. And uh, I think that spoke a lot about his character from the very beginning when he rescued his brother all the way up to the moment when um when he embraced his family and said, Gosh, I love you guys and I'm so glad that <laughs> that I'm I'm still around. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. You know, the people in his life in general that impact him have have huge roles. Um you know, whether it's his dad being a very mm-hmm. big one uh, or Mary in general, like it, it kind of speaks to this idea of marry the right person. <laughs> Don't marry Violet. 
You know, marry, <laughs> don't marry the violet. Don't marry the the woman who is not a fit for you that you're going to have to sacrifice everything about who you want to be and who you are for that person. Marry their romance is, is such a sweet thing. Um, you know, his mom tells him at one point that Mary is the kind who will help you find your answers, which I got. Mm-hmm. I love that. Such a great line. Love that line. It's so uh, beautiful, but it kind of, it, it, it gives you this idea that, you know, like real romantic love is more than just superficial love at first sight. And it's, I, I say that knowing full well, that we have an amazing scene in this movie with, George noticing Mary. It's one of the, again, I keep saying it's one of the best moments, but that's why this is a top five or six all time movie for me is because it's full of those, those moments, but where the kind of the, the crowd parts and they, they see each other as adults and it's like, Oh, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) that's Mary now, (laughs) but it goes so beyond that. It goes to the character of her. That's what he's drawn to. Right. This is, this is not a movie where George is out for, you know, sex with the hottest girl on the, on the block. That's Mm. not what this is about. And I love the moment that she offers up their honeymoon money Mm. and that George doesn't pause to question her. He grabs it and gives it away. Like they, 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 they know each other so well. They are so in tune with each other's desires Mm. that they have a unique and uncanny ability to do that. And I, I try very hard to think of marriages in, in my friends and lives and my own past and my family where I believe that that's how that scene would play out without mm. even a question. And I, I don't think that that's the case in most marriages. Mm. And I'm not saying that that means that marriages are not as good as George and Mary's, but it's incredible to see. Um, it's something to aspire to, to be married to that person that's so right for you that, you could go through that process in such a uh, fluid way with you both not even giving it another thought because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I think to me, that's, that's a one flesh um, personified right there that two people are on the same page. They're both in agreement and they both see the value of what needs to happen, uh, which is a very, very important part of marriage. It's not that you have to agree, agree about everything, but the things that matter, you got to be one on that. And uh, and I think his, it's, it's, it's a beautiful marriage. It is a, it's just a precious marriage from the moment in the, uh, I guess, in the garden next to the Granville house or in the street there. Just that whole, that whole sequence of them just flirting with each other, you know, singing with each other. I love when he goes... You know, he wants to know what she wished for, and then he goes, "Buffalo girls, would you come out tonight?" And dance and by the light of the moon. moon. What did you wish for? <laughs> it's so good. It's so great. I mean, it's just, and uh, yeah, it's, there's so many precious moments in the movie. So many great comedic moments. I love, I love their maid when when at the end she comes in, she goes. <laughs> She gives away her money. She goes, I've been saving this money for a divorce. If ever I get a husband, you know, just these little maid is amazing. I mean, just so many great comedic moments that make up this movie that has so many heavy themes to it. Again, uh, just go back to Frank Capra and just how he brought all that together. It's such just, it's, it, it, it really, it's a wonderful movie (laughs) along with being a wonderful life. And, uh, and that, and that that just, I love it. Me too. Yeah. There's one more thing I want to touch on that I, that I just, feel like I should bring up and that is it's because something that I super relate to with George and that is the moment in Martini's 
um, right before he goes to the bridge and he, you know, he's drinking it's before he gets punched and he, he has this, this prayer moment and, and he clearly is not, he even says, I'm not a praying man. He's I'm not a praying man. Um, and he just starts begging God for help. And the acting here is something to be really just impressed by. Um, mm. the facial expressions that he gives us, uh, the it's, Oh, it's, it, it sends chills through me just seeing it, but it's something that I know myself and others, um, have experienced and, and frequently where things get to that point in life where you just break down and whether you're a believer in religion of any kind or, or a Christian or of any kind of faith people in general will do this and break down and just be like, okay, God, you know, are you up there? It's me, Margaret. It's, you know, like help, <laughs> help. This is, I, I now have gotten to the point where I do not feel like I can control things on my own. I cannot, I cannot get myself out of this situation. Um, and it's in that time of tragedy. And I think the beautiful thing this movie shows us is that God was listening the whole time, right? Like it doesn't make it, it, it's not subtle. <laughs> it's not, you know, leaving it out there for interpretation. The movie starts with the fact that the heavens have heard and seen George Bailey's life and, and know that he is in this position of about to take his own life uh, because he's so completely depressed and having walked through that before personally, this is a moment I've, I've had. Um, hmm. And so I love seeing it depicted in a way where it makes me feel like I have hope. Um, and I think it's, it, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I just, I just love it. And I think <laughs> so it's, was that, it's great. <laughs> it is great, man. It really is. And uh, so was that your connecting point? Is that where you, where you resonated with the most? No, I mean, it, it actually um, kind of ties into it though. If we want to roll that way, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. My connecting point does have to do with that moment though. Um, but it really starts with the opening montage of the film. And this is cool. I was actually kind of excited when I picked this uh, because I wrote it down in my notes and I was like, Oh my gosh, connect possible connecting point. And it's, it's like two minutes in the movie. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? This can't be right. And so I, I actively looked for another moment in this movie that made me feel more connected and I didn't find it. And I think the reason is because for me, the opening montage where we see the great CGI effects of heaven, um, <laughs> blinking light, lights, <laughs> blinking lights, talking to each other. Um, but all these townspeople like praying for George and especially it's his kids. It's the moment his kids are praying for him. And you know, it tie, mm. it ties into the end of the, the film where we see them ask Ma after, after he has, it's going to get me all teary. So hold on, let me get through this. But after he has completely lost his cool with them, and unfairly yelled at his daughter for playing a freaking Christmas song on the piano, which I've done right. Like over nothing yelling at him. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hoo, hoo, hoo. Um, their response is mommy, you know, should we pray for daddy? Like, mm -hmm. Oh, it's the heart of a child. Right. And they aren't even taking it like, he's taking it. Like he then hurts. He beats himself up because of what he's just said to them, but they're still not even taking it that bad. They're worried about him the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so it's that opening moment and knowing that's coming 
you know when we hear them at, they're they're asking you know if they should pray for him and we hear them praying we hear them saying you know dear dear lord please take care of daddy or whatever it is they say please bring daddy back yeah uh, please bring daddy back with yeah. daddy mm-hmm. and so yeah. that just sucks me completely in and it it primes my heart for the emotional story that's going to follow in the whole journey um that we get to go on and it it makes me no i think i think because I, I get to go into this whole story knowing ahead of time that the townspeople appreciate George it and they care about him, it's more impactful to me because it reminds me of how I believe people should always live in community, caring for one another, taking mm-hmm. taking the time to, to put each other first um, and to pay attention just to everybody around you and not live in your cell phone or whatever it is we do these days. Hmm we're all guilty of. And so getting to watch George's life go from point A to point B, knowing that the whole time, not, not having this question in my head of, you know, are these people ever going to, it's not that this movie is not about like a big reveal. And that's, that's kind of what I like. Yeah. At the same time, it doesn't tell me all out exactly how it's going to end. So it's somewhat of a surprise, but it's not about like, you know, do people care about George? It's about, is George ever going to realize how much people care about him? And so anyway, that, that scene just gets me right, uh, for the whole movie and puts me in a proper perspective to really appreciate it in a way that is special. Very cool, man. Uh, I picked the, uh, the, the dinner table scene conversation with George and his dad. And, uh, just like you, it kind of surprised me when I, when I connected with this because, it was. It, I realized that it was so pivotal, not only in foreshadowing some of the challenges that he would face as he got older, but also revealing his struggle with identifying what's important. Um, the the conversation, you know, it begins with him coming back to work, uh, the building and loan. His dad's asking, "Hey, would you consider that?" Um, and you see how much he struggles with that idea. Like you, he, he, it's almost like he can't complete sentences. You know, he's just like because he's because he's visibly struggling with. Yeah, that's a noble thing, but but there's this other thing that that I wanted to do, and and he he struggles with that idea of being quote stuck somewhere. He says, "I want to do something big, something important," and oh man, I wish I would have gotten to know his dad more, <laughs> you know, because we didn't get much. But what we did get was a man of character who he responds by saying, "You know, George, I feel in some way that we are doing something important." satisfying a fundamental urge it's deep in the race for a man to want his own roof and walls and fireplace and we're helping him get that see that's something that hasn't changed i mean granted we have you know central heat and air but essentially people need a place to live they need a place to hang their hat they need clothes on their on their backs and these fundamental needs the building and loan is helping to satisfy one of those or a few of those and his dad is here's what I love is that his dad isn't telling him um, to do something or not to do something. He's asking him. And at the very end of the conversation, George says, pop, can I tell you something? You, you want to know a secret? I think you're a terrific guy. And that to me said so much about the fact that he respects his dad uh, to know what his heart is. And at the same time, not force that onto George, but see, 
I watch this film and that scene kind of sums up what I struggle with every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. This, this idea about what really matters and the realism that exists and knowing that I'm going to have regrets. There are going to be things in my life that I have to give up that will, that will never go away. Those regrets will always be with me and I'll have to live with them, but they're, they're what define who I am, you know, and you know, th- there are dreams that I've had dreams of being this or dreams of doing that. And because I've chosen to make other choices, like get married and have kids, those dreams have had to get packed away, maybe to never be um, explored again. And so the question is, and, and uh, something that this, this movie reminds me of, is, am I okay? Can I live with that? And <laughs> it's not a question that's answered completely. I mean, yes, in my heart, I'm, I love my life, and I'm so proud of the life that God has given me. But I'm always going to have those regrets. I'm always going to have those decisions that I made that forced those dreams to kind of be put on permanent pause or whatever. And and I think that's what the impact of this movie had for me uh, and continues to have for me is to just struggle with that kind of, you know, reflection. Um, but at the same time, it's a good it's a good struggle. And, uh, and that conversation between George and his dad is sort of a microcosm of kind of what goes through my head <laughs> when I when I, when I look at my life and I reflect on it. Oh man, that's, that's such good stuff. I, you know, I, I agree. I agree. It, it pulls that out of me too. And it's such great advice and he's such, we all need that. Uh, we only need those people like George's dad, you know, in our lives. And I, I also really love the, the way that the, the maid. <laughs> well, why don't you pull up a chair and join it's us? It's about time somebody told him that. About <laughs> time one of you lunkheads said it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Again, the comic relief is just perfect. Yeah, it's timed right. It's it's delivered mm-hmm. right. It's it's why well, it's a classic uh, and yeah. a favorite. So, well, that, awesome, uh, great, great that we get a chance to talk about a movie like this and and tie it into this this season of of giving and togetherness and uh, trying to regenerate that those uh, priorities in our lives where we we think of others first instead of ourselves hopefully mm-hmm. so um i'm glad that we we got to do this and uh it's been a, a good one so what what's coming down the pipe man what's uh what's after christmas take t- give us uh, uh what's coming out the rest of the year what are we doing in a world where new movies are coming out. No, it's, um, I'm pretty excited about this. We are going back into space with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence for Passengers. Um, that's one that I think you and I have both been looking forward to for a while now. I'm interested to see kind of Chris Pratt in a possible non-Chris Pratt-y role. And, uh, I don't think space- that's a thing. I don't think there is a non-Chris Pratt-y <laughs> role. I think Chris Pratt okay. is simply Chris Pratt in everything. Okay, well, even if we get that, I'll be I'll hopefully be pleasantly surprised. But yeah, we're going to be exploring that next uh, next time on our, our next episode, and uh, so I'm really really jazzed about that one. Um, if you guys enjoyed this conversation, particularly uh, anything I said, because uh, I need all the you know affirmation I can get based on this conversation. I'm kidding. You can find me at, on the Twitter machine at Shoeless Patch S H O E L E S S P A T C H. And also at facebook.com slash shoeless patch. You can also find me on my website, uh, thisispatch.com. What about you, buddy? Well, if you would like to continue the conversation with moi, you can find me all over the internet at Aaron L. White, A A R O N E L W H I T E. You can also reach me, of course, through the Feel and Film 
Twitter account at Feeling Film. The Twitter account uh, is usually me doing the tweeting. So if you get responses, it's typically myself. Uh, sometimes Patrick will take over though and and generate some content. Uh, you can also get a hold of myself or Patrick in, uh, through our Facebook page and or our Facebook group, which is where uh, our our listeners come together to talk about movies and uh, give us some of the great stuff that we talked about earlier in this show uh, to, regarding their favorite films for Christmas. So you can do all that stuff. Feelingfilm.com is another way you can get our content. Uh, just hope that you enjoy the show. And if so, then subscribe, listen to all of them, go back and listen to the ones you missed. Uh, tell your friends about it, tell your family about it, share us, review us, all that good stuff. It always makes us feel good and help us out. But uh, as long as you are getting value out of what we're saying, we're going to keep doing this thing. Very cool, man. Well, thanks for uh, for listening, guys. And uh, we want to wish you guys a, uh, a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, uh, indeed. And um, looking forward to the next time we get to chat. Yep, I guess that's about it. Yep. Until next time, stay positive. And keep feeling film.